Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Fear It Goes, you beautiful souls. And today we are speaking with Kate Madden. I am very excited to bring you this story because it is one that I was truly unaware of for quite some time. And she has enlightened me on someone coming into themselves through a community like the LGBTQ. And today Kate shares her story of transition acceptance, major change, and all of the struggles that come along with it. I hope you enjoy today's episode. There is much to be gained from this listen. Thanks again, beautiful souls, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Randy Taylor. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? Oh, you know, Randy, I am so sick and tired of the snow. It is spring. <laughs> it is May 4th on date of recording. And on May 4th, we have had three days of snow in this month already. Oh my gosh, it is May 4th. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> so funny. Um, it's true. And we've had humongous snowfalls. Like the one last weekend was such big snowflakes and so big, like such a large quantity of snow. There was over a foot of snow on my car when I left a meeting I was in last weekend. It was crazy. Yeah, I'm done. So, <laughs> Hello, Spring. Will you just I, come already? Do this over uh, the amazing powers of the internet and to record this and not have to go outside again today. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so it's a pleasure having you here, Kate. I'm so excited that we get to share your story and this journey that you've been on because it's quite remarkable the journey that you have shared with me. And I want to say thank you so much for enlightening me and giving me an opportunity to really understand the trials and tribulations and journey that people go through when they're transitioning or when they are coming to terms with more of who they are. So I just want to say thanks. <laughs> well, thank you for all your support and friendship. I am very happy to give that. And without further ado, I would love for you to share the story that you have so kindly shared with me. Sure. Um, so I've always known that I was trans. It re is representative of my earliest memories um, mm -hmm. from three, four, five years old, uh, just knowing something was not the same as anyone else. But it was something that I always fought against uh, and really tried out of fear to push down. I was afraid of upsetting my parents, of upsetting my siblings. Uh, I was a good little Catholic altar server. I didn't want to upset my church. I went to an all-boys boarding school. I didn't want to upset my friends or lose my friends. Uh, just, And it was a very fear-driven, rules-based world that I, I grew up in. What's great about growing up in that very polarized environment where this is wrong and this is right, this is black, this is white, is that it gives you a lot of stability and security when you're dealing with a lot of internal 
uh, displacement and internal disorientation. So even though I knew I was trans, I was fighting against it constantly because I had this system I could cling on to. Did, would you say that you really knew you were trans from that age? Like you were pretty familiar with what that meant and what that was? Or was it just more of a conflict within and not really fully understanding that? Sure. Uh, so I've talked before or thought before about Bugs Bunny. And um, I would often... Example. <laughs> I would, well, I would often joke that Looney Tunes made me trans. Like it was a bad influence as I was trying to fight against it, I was like, something's wrong with me if Bugs Bunny has done this to me. But really <laughs> what it was, was that that was the first experience I had where I could articulate or I could identify that that was me. Moving into my teenage years, um, the, only really, the only real exposure I had um, was talk, talk shows, TV talk shows, Jerry Springer, Donahue, I think Donahue was the first time that, um, and this is really dating myself, but sometime in the mid eighties or late eighties, seeing um, that classic Donahue episode of him in a, a dress. Um, I never saw that episode. But I did. And it stuck in my brain for the last 35 years. I and can imagine. Every other trans person who is in their mid forties, um, they, <laughs> Early forties. <laughs> <laughs> they remember that too. And so um, it was my only exposure, my only influence, Maury Povich, Jerry Springer. Um, I thought Oprah Winfrey in the late or the early 2000s, she really uh, handled the subject with a lot of sensitivity and handled it really, really well. Um, you could probably Google Jennifer uh, Finn, Finley Boylan, I think is her name. She's a writer with the New York Times. Um, she first appeared on uh, Oprah, I want to say 2004, the summer of 2004. Mm -hmm. um, but it started to give me a language and it started to give me something to identify with, but then also to fight against. And so that Oprah episode, I was at work um, in sales. I was knocking on doors, talking to clients, and my former partner called me up in tears um, because it was too close to our story. Um, and so eventually I, I, you know, to that point, uh, I, I got married um, to a beautiful woman who, uh, with whom uh, I had six children, um, had a beautiful family, very privileged middle-class life, um, beautiful house. Uh, I checked off all the boxes. And through it all, I repeatedly tried to transition and then just had repeated failed attempts at transition. Um, what were the failures? Uh, I would get to the point where either I wanted to do it or I started to take steps to do it. And I would see that my marriage was falling apart. My marriage would end. Uh, like the consequences were, were. Humongous. Yeah. And so, you know, this went on for years um, until 
kind of mid 2017, um, I tried to kill myself. Uh, swam out into the ocean, researched riptides, put myself into a position where I could get sucked out. Um, drank a lot that day. And um, I swam back in um, after a while of floating. Um, and over the next few months, I, I kind of realized two things. Um, one, I wasn't really living my life for my happiness. I was trying to make everybody else in my world happy. Um, at the demise at, of yours. Yeah. Yeah, at my expense. Um, and, and I realized that while I had always seen these things on TV or I would secretly read these things online or download trans podcasts when I would go out of town or, or things like that and then clear my history, um, so that I was never confused. I always framed my gender identity as my gender confusion. Yeah. It wasn't, it was never confusion. It was fear of the consequences of coming to terms. Right. With who I really was. What which, that would mean for the rest of your life. Like yeah. the other areas in your life. Yes. And when you consider my, my role, so, you know, I work for Canada's largest insurance company. I run a multi-million dollar operation. Uh, I deal with hundreds of, of uh, employers, small and mid-sized businesses throughout Western Canada, entrepreneurs, executives, um, high-performance sales people. And I was terrified professionally of what it meant. Could I, could I work as, as a salesperson? that coming out, yeah. Yeah. Like that, that was my, my primary block after, you know, the marriage. Once I, once I told my former partner that I needed to do this, I couldn't continue. That then became the next topic was, oh my God, how am I going to maintain my current level of income, which is variable over 50% variable based on commission. Um, how do I maintain that and maintain our lifestyle? Um, and so that was terrifying and there were no resources available. Like I went on every online forum I could find. Um, I met a lot of trans women who work in IT and um, they work in coding. They, they are, they work in engineering. Like a lot of, it seems to be those are industries that attract a lot of, of, of trans women. Do you think it's just that they're more accepting? Uh, I think especially with the computer-based stuff is at least with women, trans women my age is yeah. they can hide perhaps. Right. It's not face forward. Um, and I could be wrong. And dear fellow trans sibling, if you're listening and you take exceptions to that, contact Brandy, let her know. We'd love to have a conversation about it. However, yes. I went to multiple forums, multiple web websites, just trying to find another trans woman who was a high performance salesperson, like relationship based, not transactional retail based, but high performance business to business salesperson. I found one in Toronto and kind of one in California. Um, and that's it. When you consider wow. the thousands of trans women who would have seen my posts and my requests and we're a percentage of a percentage of a minority. Like we're not right. a very significant 
percentage of the population. But still, I think it's reasonable to assume that tens of thousands of trans women around the world, because I did get a message from someone in the UK, um, that they would have seen that and really... Um, you think the community would be bigger or reach out more or maybe do you think there's a stigma and that's why they're maybe they didn't like the, the it's just still too closed thinking along the lines of societal acceptance and community and how far reaching the communities are even still now or not very far reaching yeah, so um right? I got a, through a friend of a friend, like I still had a beard when this happened. Like, I think I had just told my former partner. So, um, one of my dearest friends, um, who's known me for decades has a friend who transitioned, uh, here in Calgary, um, and knew my concern about being in a professional environment. And so, uh, he hooked me up with a trans woman, uh, a major oil and gas company who leads a team of 120 people, 110 people. Uh, it's a geologist. Um, and we had a coffee and a very serious conversation about something called a parachute transition. And What's so that? That, was, that was where my mind was at, was that I had to leave Calgary, which is uh, this conservative and conservative environment or at least it pretends to be, and that I would have to move to Vancouver or Toronto. And so the idea was that I would parachute in to Vancouver or Toronto in a professional capacity, still leaning on my skill set, my experiences, my education, my ability. Um, but nobody would know me as my dead name. And nobody would know me uh, pre-transition. I would just show up one day as Kate, and that was that. I remember when you told me that you were moving into Kate and that you had started taking um, taking the hormones and it was such a scary but very exciting time for you. Scary because you didn't know how anyone was going to accept this and <laughs> exciting because it was stepping into yourself for the first time in your whole life, really truly stepping into you. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and uh, so here we are a year and a half later, um, still in Calgary. Um, and not, I'm, parachuting. <laughs> not parachuting. Um, I'm very, very grateful to my employer that while they gave me the opportunity to interview and apply for roles in Toronto and Vancouver, um, I just wasn't the right fit for those positions. And, and that's awesome. That's fine. That's great. Um, but... I work in a relationship-based industry and the people wh whom I had supported for years and helped for years really now had an opportunity to support me and help, help me and I needed to realize that. And there were a couple of people who were whispering in my former partner's ears and I, I still struggle with, with that. Uh, the introduction of doubt and fear that was brought into our life through that about how nobody would accept me. Nobody would want to work with me. It's not to say that it's been easy. Um, and I have learned that there is a massive difference between acceptance and support. Um, and that's fine. I, you know, if, if, if you 
have an issue with um, where my life has taken me. Like, that's great. But to be fair to all of my coworkers and clients, I have not had a single issue working with the hundreds of people that I do at the level that I do. Um, there was an acceptance. Yeah. So, that, yes. and I mean, are there support? And, you know, people who I was close with before, a couple of them, a couple of them I'm not as close anymore, and, and that's fine. Like, as people leave your life, others enter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get dead named still a lot. Can you explain that? I know what that means, but... Yeah. So, to be uh, dead named in a trans context is uh, the name that you were assigned at birth is the name that folks will use with you. Um, and I I can accept that it it will happen and that it does happen. Um, it's never done out of malice, but it can be really frustrating and really difficult when you've already pulled someone aside or you've already corrected them or educated them. And because it doesn't fit you anymore. Yeah, I, I, yeah, You're it's Kate? yeah. <laughs> You're Kate. Um, I am who he always wanted to be. At the end of the day, and the other kind of difficult challenge with transitioning uh, with people who've known you a long time, uh, whether family or work or friends, is misgendering. And so, right. what that what that means is using incorrect pronouns. Um, that, that's more frustrating than the dead name, to be honest, because what it kind of demonstrates to me is in those situations where you have educated people, and I've really tried to be an open book. You have been part- amazing that way, to be honest. Like I, I couldn't have asked for something better than what you've offered. You've offered a very open discussion without um, frustration or anger towards anybody who's asked questions. And because we come from a place of ignorance, I do, I do. I, I came from a place of ignorance. I didn't really know anything about this. And I have a much, much better understanding and a lot more compassion and empathy to um, the community and those that are in it. And my sister is gay. And it's actually allowed me to see her from a new light as well. And it's beautiful. And I'm really grateful for that. You know, to that point, like with your, your sister, is that what I'm trying to do is, is personalize the experience so that people can take it and, and learn from it so that the next trans person or the next queer person they meet, there is that compassion and understanding. Uh, or they're at a party or a function or someone says something ignorant or, or unfair towards uh, gender or sexually diverse people. And they're able to just not necessarily defend or speak out, but create space to to be an ally and say, "Well, no, it's not quite the way it it's is." And so right. I, I just try, I just try to personalize it, and um, and so I try to engage people, and it just it, it hurts at this point, a year and a half later. To and I mean, you can talk about my voice, but you can talk about my hair. Um, I think your hair looks great. I do too. <laughs> I really like my hair. Um, says she as she plays with her hair. Um, but um, what it makes me question is everything. 
And the reason for that is, you know, if this is my friend or my colleague who's known me for years and they can't accept me as a woman in their brain, like they can't make that connection. Because um, it's not that I've made this choice. It's not that I... Um, realized I was born in the wrong body or that I now identify as female. Um, it's that I was always female and that I was socialized, not as a male, but as a girl trying desperately to understand what was wrong and why she couldn't participate in the world like everyone else could. Because you look different? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I was a football player. I was a soccer player. Um, like, I tried my best. Like, really, I tried really hard. To, to fit in. In every way. what everybody else wanted you to be. And um, I was a chameleon, and I just took whatever script I was handed, and I ran with it, which is really great in a sales environment. Let me tell you. <laughs> Very handy, um, very handy skill set. <laughs> this is a long-winded response to your question. <laughs> Which I guess could be on my gravestone. What, um, oh, transition sucks. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. Like, it's, it's the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> like, ultimately from a mental health perspective. Um, for a few reasons. Not only the transition itself, but the losses that you've experienced because of it i think those are yeah. very intertwined and i i have quite literally lost everything yeah lost my marriage of 15 years um i have children who don't speak to me um not necessarily as a result of transition but more that toxic masculinity prior to transition um and the trauma that inflicted on them that's um, actually actually let's go into that just a little bit um, it's kind of funny that you say the toxic masculinity. In your case, that was a matter of you trying to fight what you are and then how it just kind of came out. I can't count the number of times I said to my oldest son, be a man. I created this amazing ideal of a man uh, and a family man that when... I transitioned, um, it blew that all up in so many ways and made him relive, relive all sorts of trauma. I, I think because I tried so hard to be that guy that... Um, to fight who you are, yeah. to fit in, to be everything for somebody else. That I... Um, and suppress. Everything. So um, it's a terrible thing. And Suppression does build up a lot of anger and resentment, doesn't it? It sure does. And uh, I was very angry, very hostile, very frustrated, aggressive. Um, you were and you weren't. Well, like, don't confuse being, um, like, I, I was able to have compartment compartment like I, I was able to well yeah I definitely compartmentalized and sublimated and all that but <laughs> I wasn't at ease I was just able to maintain a sense of normalcy 
mm-hmm. and uh, a sense of um, what's the word I'm looking for? It. Uh, I was polite. I was well mannered. Um, you loved I, well on the surface, but really below it, you were kind of. I was a maelstrom. Um, so yeah, it it, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't without a lot of internalized stress and anxiety that I never learned how to process. And it was only once I transitioned and took the mask off that all of a sudden now I had anxiety and dealing with, you know, all these losses. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, transitioning is not for the faint of heart. However, while I, I say flippantly that it sucks, like it's the best thing I've ever done. Because now I'm real. Now I'm here. Now I get to feel, even on these terrible days, um, when I miss my kids or I miss my spouse or uh, I worry about whether or not I'm going to have a job or um, that it's real and I can experience it. And even if that means I'm lying on bed staring at the ceiling, I'm still alive and I'm still walking through and learning how to process these emotions. So previously I would punch a wall in that frustration, uh, that inability through that toxic masculinity to articulate my emotion or my experience. Now I might cry, but it's like a catharsis and it's a release Mm -hmm. and I always feel better afterwards. And I'll take an ugly cry over a fist. (laughs) through the wall any day any day day. so i I think transitioning um becoming who i really am as opposed to being someone who i tried to be has made me a better friend a better co-worker um and most importantly a better parent I think you've done some incredible things within the community too, though, to help raise awareness and an environment that really is connected for transgenders. And we were talking about the community and how they feel safe or not to come out. Yeah. So, you know, within the trans community and, um, or rather within the larger community, like the, the heteronormative cisgender uh, community, you you might hear people talking about that there's this uh, epidemic of trans people or trans kids or um, people are being uh, persuaded or influenced. <laughs> oh my God, that's just a funny thought. Yeah, I just woke up yeah. one day and decided I wanted to be yeah. I wanted to be a transgender. I just yeah. woke up today and felt like I wanted to be gay. Like, yeah. that is. So, such a farce it uh, it is and uh, it displays a, a tremendous ignorance and bigotry right and um, i think it's more an ignorance though i i honestly do think that's more of an ignorance maybe a lack of education uh, to a point um and so what i think it is though across at least canadian society um like i think i think in canada we are as, as a community, incredibly lucky. Um, I would agree. Like, <laughs> because we are safe. We have legislative protect and protections. And no, that doesn't mean you're going to go to jail, Jordan Peterson, if you don't use 
the correct pronouns. Um, but <laughs> what it does mean is that here in Canada, um, you know, we, we have universal health care. We have access to gender affirming surgeries that are covered um, through that, that health network. Um, and it's safe. When you look at trans kids, and one of the reasons why so many trans people are passionate about trans kids and, and helping trans kids is because we were trans kids and, and we made it through. And like across the LGBT spectrum, over 40% attempt suicide. And Do you think with, it's because of the inner turmoils, trying to understand it, trying to come to terms with it? Because it's just, it wasn't, maybe it's a lot more accepted now. Well, I still wouldn't even say that. But it wasn't really an accepted thing and trans kids didn't really exist in the world of society. Um, I mean, I, I certainly never saw anyone my age transition. Um, like when, when you were a kid? I was a teenager, no. Right. Um, now, now, I mean, I, I, I can list off multiple That's good. kids uh, in their teens. And you could argue that these kids aren't old enough to know whether or not they are trans or they aren't trans, but you know what? They're old enough to know they want to kill themselves. And a lot of kids do succeed. Um, and it's not so much that there's a lack of acceptance it's that there, there's a fear, whether it's with family, family reject. reject. I was terrified of my dad. Um, you know, in a Catholic family, um, I, would, I would dance around the subject. I would come up to the subject. Um, as a teenager, he'd always say, well, we'll have a conversation about that. Um, and, you know, sex ed with my father was really like, don't do this or I'll thump you. Yeah. <laughs> that's excellent sex ed yeah. <laughs> oh, good god uh, don't even let, don't even get me started on the priests teaching me biology in high school yeah um, that'd be excellent yes. <laughs> father nicholas that's a story for another time <laughs> um, although i had a wonderful experience with all the priests who taught me through elementary and high school and i'm very grateful to all the good men uh, who gave their lives uh, in service uh, to the community that they chose to serve out of love uh, for the most part. Um, not to say it wasn't without challenges, um, but mm. I, I am grateful for those experiences. Um, but uh, their sex ed needed some work, <laughs> their <laughs> curriculum. Um, but, you know, like kids, even today, uh, like, I'm sure there are, there are kids who are terrified to come out to their parents. Like, you know, if my kid can't tell me about something that happened at school regarding a pop bottle and a wall and some wet toilet paper and a mess, like that, that's a pretty minor thing. Right. But like if it was something existential, um, you know, I, I I think even in the most loving and supportive households, you would still have anxiety still, around it for sure. Yeah. Um, These are monumental life changing situations coming, coming out and saying, this is who I am and I'm exposing myself a hundred percent and I'm so vulnerable. Please love me in this moment. That's all like all I think anyone coming out is asking for is the opportunity to love and to be loved authentically. Yeah. And that's really what it boils 
down to. Being um, nice, right? That's us. Within the trans community, with, with the trans kid, you can reduce that suicidality by over 90% uh, uh, through three ways. One is calling them by their preferred name, which might change a couple times before they land. Right. Uh, I, like I talked to my sisters, I talked to my mom, I went through a bunch of different names before I, I arrived at Catherine and Kate. Using their pronouns, uh, the correct pronouns, mm-hmm. and having that supportive environment. And whether that's a supportive environment within the school or a supportive environment within the family, having those three things all together will reduce suicidality with trans kids. And so it, it's something that I didn't really understand prior to transition. I was in a burning building. I couldn't breathe. I needed to get out. I ran out as fast as yeah. I could. And then once I was outside, and you read about this in disaster stuff, like um, things about disasters, is there's always a secondary wave of death. Right. When people are trying to escape, there's car accidents, there's heart attacks, there's uh, all sorts of different things from the secondary and tertiary events. And so I, um, I guess the primary event was coming out, the secondary event was recuperating from that. And, now a year and a half later i'm i'm starting to recover finally from the trauma of um, a lot of different things that happened mm-hmm. uh, but i think the biggest learning for me through all of that was um safety and just being just gonna say safety aware of my personal safety and the safety of my community um privilege understanding those unearned social benefits that came from being a white male in alberta um Oh my gosh, because it was incredible. Um, and to walk away from that um, it has taught me where all the gaps are. And I think having that, that experience of loss has really fostered a sense of compassion and empathy that I didn't really have previously. I mean, I, I care about people who are disadvantaged or disenfranchised, but I didn't understand. And now to see... Now to live within an environment where, and I have a tremendous amount of privilege still um, within, within the trans community, within the queer community, within the general community, um, I still have a tremendous amount and I need to recognize that and accept that and, and work with that and to create space and for those to, who don't. Yeah. And, and to let them speak their experiences and like it's not for me to speak for the voiceless it's to hand on the microphone and let them do it just understanding that that intersectionality of oppression and just like that systemic oppression has been mind-blowing and a saying I, I've, I've seen a lot of is that until all of us are free none of us are free which is true this is a fight for equality no no different than it was for women, no different than it has been throughout history. And there has to be a compassionate eye that's looked at this community for that equality, the, the fight for equality or the, the rights to equality. Because honestly, it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. You are still human and we should all reside under the same rights. We should all have the same rights. Yeah, and I, I suppose on paper, um, we do here in Canada. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, bias biases are not uh, biases do not show that. You know, it, it's exceptionally distressing to see what is happening in the United States um, with regards to the rolling back of uh, inclusion uh, for trans people there, whether it's in the military or different states' policies with regards to um, gender-affirming care, um, or in the UK, uh, to just see what the debate, the public debate that's going on with regards to the Gender Recognition Act. Just that mindset, that frame of thinking that there is such a distinction and who determines that? Yeah, well, um, you know, if we look at the recent provincial election here in Alberta, which we're three weeks, four weeks post-election now, uh, mm -hmm. in the election campaign, out of the 83 candidates that the party, the governing party that won, uh, there was six or seven that had some pretty... Strong viewpoints. Yeah, regarding um, everything from immigration to uh, reproductive rights for women uh, to LGBT Albertans. And a couple of them were forced to resign. And a few others thankfully weren't put in cabinet. Um, however, what it, it shows is that, I guess, I'm not going to say that the party that won was racist or homophobic or bigoted. Um, and I'm not going to say that everyone who voted for that party is racist, bigoted, and homophobic. But what I will say is that everyone in Alberta who voted who is racist, homophobic, and bigoted towards queer people, they voted for that party. And that's not okay. That we have a, a situation here in this province where folks are empowered to communicate and express that. And so I was at... an old idealism. Yeah, like there, there's an old Alberta that no longer exists that right. I think a lot of it is white privilege, white male privilege um, that they're pining for. Um, just I recognize it as in, in terms of leaving it. But I was at the grocery store with my son and I got the notification on, the, on my phone that the United Conservative Party had won the election. and And I just want to be very clear that I am going to benefit tremendously financially from the policies that this government will put in place. And I am already seeing the economic impact just a few weeks post-election uh, in terms of the clients that I work with. It's um, like, I'm going to do all right here financially. But my question to myself was, I pulled my phone out, was, oh my God, am I safe? And... I think a lot of queer people throughout Alberta were asking themselves that. Um, and it was really interesting in the community to watch it kind of split into two camps. One where they were leaving, they were moving to BC, they were moving to Toronto, they were, they were gone or just completely beside themselves with, um, with that fear. And the second camp was uh, a group of folks who um, started to organize almost immediately and um, trying to 
collectively create not an opposition, but create a voice and I think a platform for advocacy for our community. Um, and I'm not really a progressive, I'm a libertarian. Um, you know, I'm a centrist, like I- I'm more of a centralist too. And- Because I see I, the need for both sides. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. the, because of that, no party actually represented, represented very well. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I accept that and I, I'm, I'll go back and forth election to election. But not every queer person is progressive either. And I think there are a lot of folks in, in the gender and sexually diverse community who may have only voted for the progressive party out of a sense of clinging, hoping for safety um, or that encouragement of safety. Um, they might be free enterprise, low tax, fiscal conservatives, um, which I am not, but um, to a point, but I mean, I'm looking forward to my Lord tax bill. I gotta say. <laughs> oh, isn't everyone? <laughs> But, um, you know, now I have a moral question is what do I do with that? That, right. you know. At what cost? Yeah, like I, I expect my income to go up by, by a lot. And what responsibility do I have after my family's taken care of um, to, uh, to work with that? And how do I contribute to my community to ensure? Because I... I I am and uh, I'm very actively in it. You're actively in the community. I, Tell I, us I, about some of the things that you do do in the community. Um, so I, I work with the LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Um, really, it's just creating a platform wherein we want to help engage all Albertans and the opportunity that exists here. Um, I've taken a little step back and just taken a leave from the board right now while I deal with uh, right. just my personal uh, situation and uh, separation and divorce. Um, but uh, so there's that. Um, and then I also volunteer as a mentor for trans youth working with the Skipping Stone Foundation here in Calgary. Um, and so that, that's really cool as well to, to help out in, in that capacity. Um, you also you know, have a YouTube channel. Yeah. You talk um, about some of the transgender issues or the issues of the LGB. I never get this acronym right. LGB. LGB2SQIIA. See, I never got that right. Yeah, so it is an alphabet soup. And what I try to do. From a shorthand perspective, yeah, most of the community, the greater community understands LGBT or LGBTQ. They've heard that. Yeah. Um, what I, I, I try to use is gender and sexually diverse, GSD. So I think that that umbrella term of gender and sexually diverse people kind of encompasses, um, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, two-spirit, intersex, asexual, aromantic, questioning, and queer. Um, That's a lot. And I'm probably forgetting a couple as well. And I, I don't do that out of disrespect or, or ignorance. Right. Um, 
I did do a video on it and I actually had to write it out on, and you know, dear fellow queers, I'm just a little baby queer. Like <laughs> I'm just starting out. You know, I, I've been out now for, um, just about two years, a year and a half. Yeah. I came, I came out at work a year ago last week. Um, and then I transitioned full time about nine months ago. Um, so I'm still learning and uh, just be gentle with me. It's beautiful. Um, is there anything you would say to someone who is in the midst of a transition or wants to transition and they're really afraid to do so? Fear is a big limiter for us in so many different ways. So what would you say that would help them through taking the leap into who they are? I think any transition, regardless of what's driving it, um, any transition is difficult in your life. Uh, whether that's job transition, family transition, marital transition, um, relocation, um, like it, it does have a, a physical impact on your brain, um, or, or gender transition. And what what I would say is that if it's consuming your every waking moment and um, if you're not able to really function without thinking about it or, or it's altering who you are and making you someone else that's bitter, or resentful or angry. If it's changing you yeah, um, into somebody you don't like, which it was with me for sure. Um, and, you know, it was a radio show on CBC talking about depression um, that I was like, oh, am I depressed? Like, they were talking about insomnia. Right. And I, I would stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning wrestling with this in my head. Um, but I would say that the energy required to maintain that facade or to maintain that inner battle with yourself with regards to whether you should or you shouldn't make that leap mm -hmm. once you can free that up uh to be yourself to love as yourself or to be loved Except as yourself, yourself um to forgive yourself um it's uh it's worth it like it's not easy it's the hardest thing you're going to do would you say like reaching out to a community, um, getting a mentor, anything like that would be helpful? Yeah. So, I mean, like any major metropolitan area will have a trans support group of some sort or another. Um, my situation was a little different in that I, um, I was still living with my former partner and mm -hmm. trying to that and so I was trying to be sensitive to that dynamic and uh, transitioned at work and um, like I, I met a couple of trans guys um, one I work with and my my friend's former classmate but um, to actually sit in a room with other trans women wasn't until two or three months post transition for me and so uh, it can be done without that community support. I don't recommend it. Um, it was very helpful having that group, though. It was, you know, I've found tremendous support just with, you know, being able to 
listen and, and learn from other trans women and their experiences, whether it's someone who's 21 or 22 um, working at a coffee shop or someone who's in their 60s and um, is, you know, on that other end of the age spectrum. Um, it's been... Uh, it's been really cool. And so, yeah, I would say reach out to those communities. There's also a lot of great communities online, whether it's um, on Reddit, on YouTube. Um, you know, there's a lot of trans YouTubers um, ranging in different age and different categories, whether it's just makeup or lifestyle. Um, you know, my, my favorite trans YouTubers are all Canadian. Um, I, I don't know what it is about being trans and Canadian, but we seem to do a really good job with it. Um, there's a couple in Toronto that, you know, are easily um, Googled. Um, but uh, you can at least, you've got nowhere else to go and you can at least identify um, with other people's experiences or you can rule out other people's experiences. So, you know, those trans trans tubers in Toronto, for example, like, uh, you know, there's three of them, for example. Um, so Gigi Gorgeous, who seems to be kind of taken off on her own and moved to LA and, wow. um, you know, millions of followers now, subscribers, um, came out of that kind of like, she had a very long story. Um, and years ago I would watch her on YouTube and it was more, kind of a feminine gay man um, who eventually came to terms with her being trans. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I was able to go, no, that's not me. Um, you know, or, um, but yeah, through it all, um, I never saw someone my age um, in a professional environment anywhere. So, uh, I've added to the conversation, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, Which is good. But, yeah, there there are resources online, uh, communities, Instagram is uh, Twitter, trans Twitter, hashtag trans Twitter. You'll start to see people hashtag girls like us on Instagram or Twitter. Um, you know, and, like, I speak from the trans feminine experience, the, the trans woman experience, but mm -hmm. I, I'm really leaving out a critical piece of, of the, the gender identity um, community or in the, or the gender non-conforming community um, the trans community is, and that's non-binary people so right. you know my gender expression is really quite binary like I'm I, I am feminine you know I, I dress pretty well for work um, usually yes, skirt, clothes, <laughs> makeup um, I take my business seriously and I want to be taken seriously. And so I, I try to look serious. Um, occasionally I, I, I'm hot. I'm going to say I, <laughs> I can dial in hot. Look smoking. <laughs> um, so I'll take that once or twice a week. Um, although when I'm not at work, I wear jeans and jeans and t-shirt like tonight. Um, sometimes leggings. Sometimes leggings, yes, I have a couple of those. Um, so, you know, the trans feminine experience, the, the trans masculine experience, that, that female to male experience, and um, there's some of my favorite people in the world chatting with, with 
the guys I know here in Calgary or reading what they write um, on online. Really, really interesting stuff. Um, but then there's the non-binary experience. And so th there's a difference between gender identity and gender expression. And while I use she and her pronouns, I am a woman and I can talk about that pretty uh, articulately. There, there's some folks who, you know, some days will go back and forth, you know, gender fluid or will be neither. Um, you know, agender um, is a term, um, you know, they'll, they'll use X on their driver's license or their passport. Um, Dr. Joshua Ferguson out of Toronto um, successfully challenged Canadian law and, and won, I want to say about a year ago. Um, and they have, they have uh, some really interesting perspectives online that I've read. Um, and I find that the non-binary experience has actually informed my understanding of gender, um, gender identity and gender expression, and, and completely blown it open. Can you explain that, please? Because um, we talked before about gender identity and um, gender identity, like what you identify with, and then what's the other one? Gender expression. Thank you. Yes. So, um, yeah. So gender identity, like I, I was saying, you know, that you've, you've got that spectrum from male to female, and then you've got people who, who are might identify as neither or have both. Um, and I'm, gender I'm, identity. Yeah, gender identity. So, right. you know, I, I identify as a, a pretty, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s, I'm a woman, I'm a parent, I'm a professional. Um, you know, I it, and it's not that I, I chose to be, to take the binary route, you know, either male or female. It's just like, it's it what I've always, it's, yeah, it's what I've always known. Um, and I'm not trying to speak for my fellow trans people who are in that gender non-conforming, have that gender non-conforming experience, but just, but I've learned. Yours. What's that? That that's yours. And this is really nice because a lot of people don't understand this. And I certainly did not understand this. Yeah, until so we had these discussions. Typically, they use, um, you know, someone who's non-binary will use they, them pronouns. Um, and like, if there's ever any doubt, I think a trans person of any persuasion uh, across the entire spectrum would rather you just ask, what are your pronouns? than you trying to guess or fumble or, or worse, misgender them and use the wrong pronouns. Yeah, just ask them what their pronouns are. So they use they, them pronouns, you know, it's, it's, not, on, it's not androgyny. Like, you know, it's, it's, well, it could be androgynous. It, it could be androgynous. It's not androgyny, um, you know, in, in that classical David Bowie way or, or, or right. what um, and then when it comes to um, gender expression. Yeah, like I, I typically or express myself as in a, a very feminine manner. Um, 
you know, it, it's not hard to recognize that with my makeup or um, my clothing, the colors I wear, um, how I carry myself, my shoes, my purse, whatever, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm female or female identifying. A non-binary person might not, they might be assigned male at birth, they might be assigned female at birth, and you may not be able to tell. Um, or you might be able to, they might have a beard, but they're still non-binary, or you know, they, they might look very feminine that day. Our experience with gender, gender expression, gender identity is, it's changing at a very rapid pace. Yeah. Um, you know, and faster than perhaps some people in, in society are comfortable with. I but, think the education around it really needs to be, a, uh, like we need to have a lot more education around it because it's, it's still, I have access to you <laughs> and I'm still foreign. This is still foreign to me. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a lot more aware now than I was, but it's still pretty foreign to me. And we talk about this. So I can't imagine what it's like for people who just see people on the street and go, well, she's female or that's male, or they just make these assumptions because that's what we've known throughout history. Yeah. And I think the language is shifting and the language is being created to help people identify themselves and then to articulate that identity or that expression um, and then vocalize it and have others advocate or they can advocate for themselves out into society. And whether that's gender neutral bathrooms, whether that's an X on a passport or a license, the world is, has changed. The world has shifted. And even the language that we use in the trans community, um, you know, from the language that was used in the 90s when I first started going online, my very first internet search was on Alta Vista. I, I looked up drag queens because that was, that was the limit of my language. That was the limit of my understanding of my experience and my, my identity was drag queen. And so once I started exploring the, the, the trans world back then, you know, like we used words like transsexual, transgender, uh, CDs, TS, TV, you know, like a lot of abbreviations that are, are just no longer used and no longer acceptably used either. Um, just I don't because know. there's been an evolution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and so, um, it, and it's been really interesting to watch it from a distance uh, as someone who was in the closet, but still part of it. Like, this was my community, and I knew that even in the closet. Um, but it, it's shifted, it's transformed, it, it's developed. Um, as, and as more people have been able to safely come out and safely contribute to that ongoing conversation, our language, our experience, our expression, our, our ability to articulate it has has been able to change and we have been able to have impact and um, help others understand how we see ourselves. And I think that's all, all it is. Cool. Cool. Um, I think the more we can educate, the more we can have these discussions, the better off all communities will be. Uh, thank you for having me, Brandy. I hope uh, I brought value to those who are listening. Um, and help those who maybe this is their first time hearing from a trans woman um, or a trans person of any sort, uh, help them understand just a little bit more whatever our experience is.
Do you want to tell us your YouTube channel or your Instagram? Uh, Instagram, Kate Madden uh, dot YYC. Madden with two D's. Madden. M-A-D-D-E-N. Twitter is the same handle. And on YouTube, it's Catherine Madden is uh, my my, uh, YouTube channel. So uh, check it out. I have, I think I'm on video 18 now. Still trying to dial in the... As a photographer, it's my first time working with video, so I'm still trying to to dial that in. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been great to watch it watch it grow. <laughs> I love watching it grow too, and I think your posts are really interesting and beautiful. So keep it up. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Kate, and thank you for enlightening us and sharing with us the struggles and the triumphs. And next week, we have a special episode that I am going to shift gears with. We don't know what we don't know, right? I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's what I'm going to talk about on the next episode. Next episode, I'm going to talk to you about diet. And the diet I'm going to talk about is keto. So some of you are familiar with the ketosis diet. Some of you are not. I don't consider it a diet at all. I consider it a lifestyle. And I will explain all of that next week and what it actually does in your body and why so many people are jumping on board with that diet. I want to thank you all for listening to Fear It Goes. If you are enjoying this podcast, please come leave comments. I need to know what you're thinking. I need to know if you guys are interested in the topics I'm picking. (laughs) I'm pretty positive when I bring the sex series, because I'm just kind of lining everything up right now with that. It's we're probably two months out, just letting you know. But when I bring that series in, there's going to be some controversial conversations that you may or may not agree with. And my purpose for these podcasts is that it sets thoughts in motion that allows you to expand and question the world around you, the way that you're thinking, the lenses you're wearing, and how you can enrich and better your life. Because trust me, your life definitely spills out into your business, your family, all other aspects of your world are affected by what's happening within you. So come check us out at fearitgoes.com. That's F-E-A-R-I-T-G-O-E-S.com and see what we're doing. I told you last week that we are releasing Clarity, which is a goal setting course. It's fantastic. If you haven't checked it out, please come check it out. There's lots to be learned in that course and it's a bargain. It's a bargain. (laughs) If you are enjoying the podcast, please let us know. Leave a rating on iTunes or Spotify. Leave a comment. Bring people to us. (laughs) Spread the word. Spread the love. Spread the fear it goes love. And until next week, my beautiful souls, thank you so much for listening and have an absolutely extraordinary week. (laughs) 